0: Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Asian Cinema Film Club. My host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host, the professor, Mr Stephen Palmer.
1: Hello everybody.
0: On tonight's episode we look at The Beast Stalker, a police procedural thriller. Uh, But before we obviously get into that, it's time to ask what you've been watching. And Stephen, what has been holding your interest? Because obviously at the time of recording, neither of us have managed to watch the Squid Game, so...
1: If no, you are were tuning in for exciting
0: <laughs> opinions on that, we would be still waiting a while.
1: We're not very on brand. It's when people at work are asking me, oh, have you seen the Squid Game? My daughter's asked me, have you seen the Squid Game? And I'm going, yeah. oh, apparently I'm one of only two people in the country that haven't. <laughs> the only
0: reason everyone's seen the Squid Game is because it's dubbed. Yeah. Is <laughs> so it? It is dubbed. Oh. So all this big talk of like it being like the biggest launch for a foreign... Title and it's bigger than Bridgerton and all the rest of this. Uh, the fact it's dubbed is a big advantage for it. I have to say. Oh, I hadn't really. I mean, it, they must have a. You must be able to yeah, you a. Yeah, you can really watch it. the sub version, but I'm just talking about. Uh, generally, you can you can uh... just watch a dub version as well if you're feeling like
1: tired or lazy or. Interesting. I I didn't I didn't know they did that. Um, I'm also. Obviously, we've spoken before. I'm a bit annoyed. It's it's. I know what it's a rip off of, and everyone's pretending it's not um and i'm also a little concerned it's only nine episodes which doesn't feel very k drama to me if it ain't if it ain't 13 or 24 it's it's not real (laughs) although kingdom was only six wasn't it each time so who knows yeah to be honest with you i'm more excited about watching a third series of kingdom when that turns up but i will watch squid game i will watch it i have to watch it maybe next time i would you never know
0: Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. It's just finding the time at the moment because I'm just so tied up with watching everything else. It feels yeah, like, at and, the I've, it
1: is. and I've got to be honest, you know, to answer your question, I've watched nothing in the last two weeks of that would be of any interest to anybody on the show. It's just been crazy time at work, crazy time at home, um, and I feel terrible. And what I should have done is sometimes when I've talked about three different things, I should have held them back, shouldn't I, in reserve and pretended I watched them <laughs> last week. But no. What about yourself? Have you um, have you done better than me for once?
0: Uh, quite a lot this week. Yes. So we're going to strap yourselves in as there's a lot of horror. Uh, but kicking things off, we've got uh, probably the most <laughs> antagonising one to pronounce. So that's uh, Yuratsu Dokuji, Legend of the Demon Wound. Well, Demon Womb from 1991. Uh, this is the second film in the Legend of the Other Fiends saga. Um, I'm not even going to try working out like the timeline where everything sort of takes place. Because as a series, it's kind of all over the place. And when you start like going, oh, because it was released as uh, OVA in Japan. And then re-edited into movie form for us here in the UK. And while we obviously got a more Edited version, I, to be honest When you look at the stuff that was cut out These movies, it's sort of like I really don't miss it that much But, um, despite obviously being The second film in the saga This one actually takes place During the events of the first one Which was a little bit Jarring, because when we look at the end of the first film We're faced with, like, apocalyptic Tokyo, this huge Demon kaiju with multiple penis laser tentacles um, and you think, wow, well, that's where I'm going to pick up the story and we're going to see where it's going from there. And nope, we're have a story that's part way through the first uh, film. And yeah, basically it's another round of, you know, demons, splatter, occult Nazis, questionable acts and even more questionable taste that this has all been shown in. As our hero from the first film gives his friend a blood transf- transfusion after the plane he's coming in gets possessed by demons killing everyone but him and he gives him a blood transfusion turning him into a demon as well which really plays into the plot of uh, the son of a Nazi occult scientist who is planning a demon resurrection in the city of Shinjuku of which he uh, plans for him to be a key part Um, I really enjoyed it it features a weird Nazi dildo machine and I think if you're not a fan of these sorts of movies, things like um, Wicked City, Shinjuku um, Demon City, um, just then you sort of like these demon, these sort of animes where they're combining like graphic sex and violence and demons. Then I don't think you really. But if you can get past that, it's actually got a still a pretty decent story underneath all the grime and the slime and everything else um, and it's really brief as well it's just over an hour so hardly something that takes a lot of the time but if you enjoyed the first film, then definitely check that out and i'm excited if that's the word uh to see where three and four go hey
1: people People love hentai, though, don't they? It's got an audience. I
0: don't really want to call this, like, no. hentai, though, because hentai is normally leads more towards, like, sexual like the sexual element. It's yeah. for, like, sexual gratification, whereas when you look at something like legends Legend of Zelda Fiend, it's got this story where you've obviously got the three worlds, the worlds of demons, man and beasts, and how... The, how the you've got this one character who's basically feels that while the world's pretty great that you know by the rising of the over that it could be made even better which obviously if when you watch the first one isn't the case at all so the fact that you've got this really great story but it kind of gets overshadowed by all this shock and awe that it throws at you at the same time so if you can get past that then it is a really good um plot line that it has there, and they are Really, in sort of enjoyable films, in the sort of way that you can't really talk about non-initiated uh, people about.
1: Um, mm. Yes, oh, or oh, 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 your mother. <laughs> yeah, my, my
0: mother actually has me yeah. blocked on Facebook because of the things I post about. So <laughs> I said, "I said, why did you block me?" It's like, oh, well, because you always post about like horror films and stuff. And I'm thinking, no, you just saw I posted that. Japanese poster bad biology, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh Love it. next up one for you Stephen, it's Legend of the Seven Good and Vampires from 1974. Oh yeah, yeah. You told
1: me about this, but yes. It's a continue. crossover
0: between Hammer, uh, the classic British studio and the Shaw Brothers, the classic Hong Kong studio um to create a blend of vampire action and kung fu. With Peter Cushing's Van Helsing touring Chinese universities only to be hired along with his son to Help a bunch of kung-fu trained siblings battle the vampire cult that is terrorizing their village now As I've said anyone who's obviously follows our page uh, would know I've said already. I'm not a hammer fan I like the prehistoric movies, you know things like uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, sort of like the Peter Cushing and um, Doug McClure style movies but when it came to like you know the Dracula and Frankenstein movies—I just faded out. I'm not a huge fan of like Gothic horror, so that's kind of like their bread and butter, really. So,
1: yeah, which is what I do like. I I do I do like um, I do like a Hammer horror, although the the horror is pushing it a bit. Isn't it? <laughs> They're not. They are. They are sort of these gloriously technicolor things, things, um, which I don't think I've ever been scared of. I think. I don't think I've ever been scared of any of them. <laughs> What's the one with <laughs> the giant moth? Is but, that
0: a dumb witch horror, is it or...
1: I can't remember. I can't remember. I know what you mean though. I mean I like, I like I like those sort of classic Christopher Lee Yeah as Dracula or Peter Cushing as you say in this one, you know, anything with Peter Cushing in is usually quite watchable. Um, there's a fan, I think they did a Pound of the Baskervilles hammer did actually, which is actually incredibly watchable. Um but I know, but I, but I know what you mean. It's uh, it's it's very of its time. But there are and there are some great ones. Um, uh, is it the Witchfinder General? Is that okay, the one. Um, I think the, 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 there's some little gems in there, and the very idea, I mean uh, the classic crossovers with is Carry On Screaming, isn't it? <laughs> which takes the whole Hammer thing and blends it to a uh, to a Carry On film, which I I really <laughs> rather like. So. The very idea of mixing, I you guess, know, Shaw Brothers weren't averse to a little bit of weirdness and gender, uh, not uh, not gender genre. Oh no, changing. they. I mean, um, they
0: gave us their own version of uh, coffee with um, a sexy killer, which mm. is just weird. But yeah, they, I mean, we always remember them for like the kung fu stuff. But they obviously did a lot of genre hopping themselves. They didn't just do that.
1: And and indeed ended up as a horror studio, really. Before they just became yeah. a TV place, you know. The, the the last few films are all really horror movies. Um. So yeah, I I, I see that. I'd never heard of this film until you told me about um, it last week, and I was like, I was, I've I've tracked myself down a copy, so I'm looking forward to. So watching So
0: yeah, that. it's it's kind of weird because obviously you've got a British director, Roy Ward Baker, and it's all been shot over in Hong Kong as well. So, it's a predominantly Shaw Brothers crew that's working on the movie. Shang Che does a lot of the fight choreography for the film. And again, it's not like top tier Shaw Brothers fight choreography, but it's all very exciting stuff. And the problem is that when you've obviously got these very well trained martial artists and like engaging in these huge epic brawls, and then you've got the British cast who obviously don't know Kung Fu. So you see, like, Peter Cushing off to the side with uh, with like one of the more casts, like, just holding him back or waving a flaming torch or something. The action's very close up on him, but very, like, wide lens when it comes to, like, the Hong Kong crew. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but apparently when they were shooting this, it was, like, real problems with, like, communication because a lot of them didn't speak English. And um, I remember, like, one of the... I'm trying to remember, was there was I, one of the crew who was like um, reminisce when they were like, talking about this film. They would say that like Baker would just constantly be like shouting at the the Hong Kong crew to stop spitting on the floor. They'd just be constantly like spitting oh, all over the that, sets and
1: stuff. That classic Chinese thing, yes. I don't. I didn't think they did it so much in Hong Kong, um, but in mainland China, that's definitely a thing. Not just on the floor, but the floor, the bus, <laughs> on the floor, the baths on the floor. So yeah, company.
0: they were basically just like they're spitting
1: everywhere and uh, it's like Yeah, that's like nice guys. For 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 a Western for a Western sensibility. Yeah. But it does seem like an absolute perfect crossover for that period of time. Um, you know, the seventies. Um and I just can't believe I've never heard of it before. But it's yeah,
0: yeah, I mean it's it's fun. I mean obviously when you've got this, this this crew that they've brought in, I don't think all of them got the sort of the memo of sort of like what they were going for with vampires. So occasionally, when you see like this group of vampires, you see one or two are just hopping vampires because they're going off the old um, the Hong Kong version of what vampires mm. are. So it's like, what the hell are you doing?
1: They're, which aren't really vampires at all, are they? They're just ghosts. But all the films like Mr. Vampire call them vampires. So we've. We've associated with them, but they're nothing like the Eastern European Bram Stoker led Dracula. No, at no not at all. Um,
0: so, but yeah, I mean, as I said, it's uh it's not a bad romp. I I had fun for what it what it was. I don't think it's something that I'm going to sort of like rush out to add to my collection by all means. But hmm. you know, it's it's something a bit different. I think as I said, whenever it's sort of like, oh, let's do a a Shaw Brothers Hammer crossover. It's sort of thinking, oh, I think, oh, I'm going to have to go and see that. And also Peter Cushion in a Kung Fu movie. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Come for the Kung Fu. You know, maybe stay for a bit, of Peter Cushing. Uh Next up, we've got uh, Gamera vs. Giron from 1969. Um, this is another one that I think you need to dig out your box set and just, like, watch straight away. Because mm-hmm. it's, as you like to say, mad as a box of frogs. <laughs> um, basically uh, two young boys sneak aboard a spaceship that uh, comes to Earth and find themselves whisked to Earth's twin star of terror and how do we know it's uh, that we never noticed this planet there because it's on the opposite side of the sun to us
1: uh, like Marvel Comics yep. or counter Earth they <laughs> used to say well, that's, quite not, quite not how, that's not quite how things work so like, okay. <laughs> yeah they
0: get whisked off to Terrace the 10th planet in our solar system and uh, there they encounter two female aliens as well as the their guard dog Gurion who is essentially what happens when you tape a steak knife to your dog's head please please don't do that but um, but yes they uh, think oh wow we've met this super intelligent um aliens who would like a super nice they like got the 1950 sort of B movie cutie sort of outfits on with like the weird bumblebee helmets but no, they actually plan to eat their brains and it's down to Gamera to come and save the boys as uh, he of course is the friend to all children which is such a strange thing to say when you look at how insanely violent this movie is um, this movie is probably best known for the screenshot of gamma doing the parallel bars. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really bizarre and stupid and I enjoyed every single minute of it wh- This wh- is Gamma versus is this so this is from 69
1: I'm just checking my box set just, You should notice uh...
0: either the one with gamma drowning on it or the uh, the monster with the big knife
1: Yeah yeah no I've got it yeah so it's deep in the um, it's deep in the uh, child friendly yeah indeed
0: Um, next up we got um, Japan's first ever horror movie and first splatter movie as in first modern horror that is because they obviously made horror movies before and that's evil dead trap from 1988 have you seen this one
1: classic I haven't seen it, I'm aware of it though, but it's um got a yeah, it's got a um, reputation.
0: Yeah, this is one I I remember like seeing way back in sort of like the early two thousands when it was sort of like being uh passed around because it was on a very minor label this one was released, but it was sort of got it got a re release because of like the J horror boom at the time. So basically anything that you could get their hands on I think this came out around the same time as Junk uh did, so that would have been around two thousand. Um, but, uh, yeah, this one's uh, directed by uh, Toshiro uh, Ikura, Okida, sorry, um, who is... While on the surface, he looks like he's paying homage to both, like, the likes of Raimi and the Zhao genre and, like, the films of Argento. I mean, this film even has, like, a Goblin-esque soundtrack to it. It's really funky. Uh, but he's not a horror fan at all. In fact, the only first time he actually saw... His own film was in 2000 when it was shown in LA. So, make of that what you will. What? Yep, he <laughs> creates this incredible horror movie and he's not a horror fan at all. Which is like... Uh, I, mean, I
1: guess he... I guess he what, what you mean is he hadn't seen it at a cinema. Well, I mean, oh. obviously,
0: he saw it when he was cutting it together, I guess. but
1: Yeah. I mean, that, I, I think I've heard of people. that that, that is fascinating, um, isn't it? Um, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, this one's actually... I mean, this one's pretty interesting when you look at who it's produced by, because it's produced by J- Japan Home Video, who did the release mm-hmm. for um, Tetsuo the Iron Man, the aforementioned Junk. They did anime releases for Wicked City, Cyber City Uedo 808, Angel Cop. So they're a company with like a really a really good catalogue to them. They also had a sub of label called Alice Japan, which uh, produced Adult Videos. And uh, this yeah. film was originally intended to, you know, raise the profile of Hitomi uh, Kobayashi, who I don't know if you're familiar with her work at all, Stephen. Doesn't
1: ring okay, a bell. Okay, well she was one.
0: She was one of the top adult going. stars on the the Alice Japan label. Uh, but basically, right. Akita thought, well, I don't really know how good she is in an actress, so he basically cast her as in the supporting lead Rei and went with uh, Miyuki Ono. Who would late the year after go on to be in um, Ridley Scott's Black Rain? Um,
1: okay, yes, yes, with um, motorbike, uh, Andy Garcia. Yeah, it's the it's, remember, you know yes.
0: the American take on the yakuza.
1: Yeah, someone gets their head chopped off. Yeah, with yeah. A Michael Douglas helmet. is oh, uh, Michael Douglas is uh, <laughs> hunting
0: for this yakuza member and has to go to Japan, and of course you've got the. Right. The clashing cultures because he has to work with the Japanese cops to try and take down this Yakuza boss and obviously ties in with the whole Yakuza world. I like it myself. Um I don't know about yourself, whether it rung for yourself. Yeah.
1: Black Rain It's a long time ago I This is like eighties um, Michael
0: Douglas, so I think
1: Yeah. I seem to remember it being very stylish. Um and like you say, Michael Douglas was a big Big mm. star then, and I I, I like Tandy Garcia as well. Um, yeah, I have I have I haven't I could not tell you the plot, but I don't have horrible memories of it. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> that's damning it with faint phrases. Okay. Um, <laughs>
0: well, this back to obviously the Dead* Trapper I mean, it follows this oh, late okay, night <laughs> TV host called Nami, who basically shows videos that are sent into to her. She hosts this like late late night talk show uh, with the tagline is for people who can't sleep so apparently the solution is just to show them weird videos <laughs> that she gets sent into her and she gets sent this what appears to be a snuff tape um which i have to say is a bit uh bit square inducing it's kind of like uh do you know that uh, classic film with the eyeball slicing and Shane yep, that and seems very much to be the influence here but knowing the way that uh, this film's going and it's references he probably didn't watch that either
2: <laughs>
0: but uh, yeah she basically rounds up her crew and um, sets out to this industrial complex she feels that it's been shot at only for the crew to just be basically stalked by this mass killer um, and then randomness ensues as it takes on a real supernatural edge uh, but features some really cool kills. Uh, this is actually the first also of a trilogy. I've yet to see parts two and three. Um, which, I mean, um, Akita would return for part three. He actually passed the reins over for part two. But um, I'm excited. I really enjoyed this one. This one, for all its weirdness, and the fact it could have done with about ten minutes cut off the end. I mean, it does that horrible thing where it has an ending, and then tacks on another two endings <laughs> on the end of it. Uh, so if it had been trimmed down a little, I think this could have been something really special, and I think we probably would have talked about it a lot higher because there's some really interesting things going on here, and the soundtrack is groovy as all hell. Um, so one, I would, I would definitely recommend checking it out if you can hunt down a copy. I think it's on Kiss Asia. I may be mistaken, but um, yeah, that's enough one for you.
1: I am. Um... Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's it's, it's well, as we record this, it's the middle of October. I probably need a horror movie for the end of the month. <coughs> um, yeah, and it's just one, I think, I just always kind of ignored it because I just thought it was just one of these things they'd got over and they said, oh, not Evil Dead, hmm. you know, and just, just plastered it over. But um, there aren't many slasher films of any sort from Asia. It really is... A really, I mean, there's, there's been a couple, um, obviously dream home yeah. is, is one of my favorite films, but that's, that's pretty rare. There's a couple of Taiwanese ones that I remember that, that, that do, do something with the slashing, you know, to, to, which is interesting because when you think that certainly in a post, you know, in a modern, with the modern influence of mainland China on Asian cinema, not Japanese cinema, but, but certainly sort of Taiwanese and, um, hong kong cinema that there is a rejection of the supernatural which is what those you know the horror movies of the of those areas would go for before you it would be a ghost or a demon or something like that the fact that you can't have that as an explanation and now it has to be people um you would have thought the slasher movie would have had a bit of a renaissance because people love a horror movie don't they they love being scared unless you're in russia
0: um, Cause i guess the russia i mean the first <sighs> horror movie russia had was night watch or uh and um as they said is like people Mm. are just generally too scared in their day-to-day lives to want to go to watch (laughs) horror movies so
1: yeah i can see that um also i guess in korea we have the uh, the slasher movie gets very tied up with the police and the and the and the thriller um type movie. You know like when when we, when we watch a, a serial killer film a, a slasher movie a Jason or a Freddy the police are not sitting there investigating it really are they? they're just ignoring what's going on at best. Um whereas I'm thinking of things like oh I don't know um
2: uh,
1: I can't remember name, the name of it. Oh my, famous Korean director two serial killers um Lee Byung and, and and Choi min sook Oh yeah, I yeah. saw the devil. Yeah, you know, which is is a serial killer movie about two serial killers, but it isn't a horror movie. You know, and um, and and I, and I think a uh, midnight, I think, which is a, is a recent movie, is clearly about a guy who's stalking a woman, but it's not considered a, a horror movie. They're this this kind of superhuman slasher thing is very much a, a western conceit. Now, looking on the Wikipedia page of Evil Dead Trap. I see it go somewhere a bit fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, the ending's a little <laughs> out of left field and
0: uh Oh uh, reminiscent of the Exos episode Humbug is all I'm gonna say. So well we'll that's all I'm gonna mm. say about the, about <laughs> that one.
1: Oh my god, it literally <laughs> is <laughs> Fantastic. But I think I think I think I will check it out because it's it's one you know, like I said yeah. at the beginning, I've heard of it. Um, and it's clearly got it's place I think in, in Japanese cinematic history and sounds, still sounds better than fucking sex <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay and uh, wrapping off the viewing for this uh, episode I checked out as of today actually before we came on um, Sion Sono's Suicide Club 2001 um, a film which plays ah, its best card absolutely. right at the start and then has nowhere to really go from there.
1: It's yeah. Um, it's not your first no,
0: no no film, no no. I it? mean, I saw this went back when it first right. first came out, and I just wanted to go back and, and revisit it because obviously when Suicide Club came out, it got pretty trash. I mean, a lot of people didn't really take to it, and I certainly don't think anyone was going to expect Sonno to like be this director who like would basically pick up where Mike's outlaw period left off. Um I didn't think that he would be like getting exclusive deals with like Amazon and Netflix do things like um, Tokyo Vampire Hotel or uh of Love. Which was a big surprise really. And then the fact obviously I mean the fact he did like that year where he did like five movies and along with like Strange Circus and I think it was this year that he did oh. he did um as I say, he did that, that block of five. Um, but, mm. yes, Suicide Club's an interesting one where, obviously, you've got this string of unexplainable suicides uh, happening um, across Japan. And, I mean, it obviously has the added bonus of having auditions. Uh, Ryo Ishibashi, as one of the detectives investigating the case. You also have a J-pop group called Dessert, who basically...
1: Wow. They're called all sorts of things <laughs> throughout the film, aren't they? There's there's, there's, there's just a, a, a... You carry on. Oh, I was going to gonna say comments. that apparently they're taking the
0: style choices from Alvin the Chipmunks, but... <laughs> uh,
1: you, you're absolutely right, right? The, the memorable moment of this film is 54, I think, is the number in my head, 54 schoolgirls all committing simultaneous suicide at a railway station is both <laughs> shocking but also kind of hilarious <laughs> um, and the film its not necessarily downhill from there but it can't top that moment um, it's an interesting film because sono made it i think sono i can't remember what he'd been making up to them i mean he had been a he hadn't made I don't think he'd made a feature film before, but he'd certainly been making film and he was known in art circles. I and mean, as we know, Sono is is probably more of an artist than a filmmaker. And I, I believe, if I remember rightly, I, I, I seem to remember I did some investigation on this years ago. But he kind of wrote it or made it as a way for him to understand why a friend of his committed suicide. But what he seems to have written is, <laughs> is a it's a really weird story about a cult and uh, and and the influence of the media on people. Like I say, that like that band Desert, who are sort of play music all the way through it, and you see all over the place. They change that their name changes from Desert to Desert, and you, initially I thought it was just shitty subtitles, but it's all by design. And there's basically all sorts of this arty-farty stuff going on throughout it, and. It's just a really weird film, but came out at that J horror time, and I don't know. I don't know if it got good or bad reviews. I can't remember. I remember being fascinated by it, but I couldn't really tell you the plot. There's 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 police inst- following basically. The concept of some sort of cult going on, which ends up with yeah, you've got obviously you've
0: got the detectives who are trying to figure out what's going on. You've also got that wonderful thing like Perfect Blue, where the internet is still pretty much in its infancy for the average Joe. So you've got them going like spelling out full website addresses, but they add additional dots. So it's like www dot (laughs) dot. It's like. Like, no, 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 no <laughs> not that many. Um, there's also a really annoying child voice where um, he keeps making a stupid noise after every word that just really annoys me. It's kind of like um, like in New York, uh, the New York Ripper, where the, duck, the killer's got like a quacks like a duck. Um, it's just, okay, just really yeah. work quick. I have no idea what's supposed to be going on at the end. If someone wants to explain this movie to me, I would really yeah. appreciate it because... I, I, I thought I was following it, and then it, we get to the end, and we've got all these kids. They're somehow involved in this in some way, and I just I just I, I was lost um, as to what was supposed to be happening. But the
1: is, there, is this is this the film? There's a moment where some housewife is this oh story? yeah is yeah, yeah that's um, fingers on the chopping board. That's, yeah, that's the that detective's one, wife. Yes.
0: Um, basically, the the family just kill them they commit suicide and yeah she's she's chopping something up and she's uh, cutting her fingers off and she's uh, cutting something up so yeah it's as I said I enjoyed it I mean I gave it four stars on Letterboxd so mm. but and,
1: it's, it's it's very obtuse mm. and very weird and I think I've always felt this way but there are moments about it which are just striking um, and I think you're right. I mean, I, th- I think you're a bigger Sono fan than I am. I think, I think you, uh, without reservation, have enjoyed pretty much everything he's done that you've seen. Um, I'm not, don't want to put words yeah, to I now. think, yeah, I think I've I
0: enjoyed a lot of the things that he's, he's done, especially, I think I, his more mainstream projects I've been, I've enjoyed. Cause I haven't really sort of gone into the more artsy sort of side of Sono. I've tended to just lean towards the, yeah. um, the more out-there projects, things like um, Tokyo Tribe, Why Don't You Play in Hell, I especially enjoyed. So those ones which uh, have got like, more of the Mike vibe to them are the ones I've really enjoyed. But yeah. at the same time, he's obviously got I that mean, whole think... art school side to him, which I just haven't really dabbled in. I think it's like Land of Hope and Glory is one of his, and Land of Hope Land and of hope, uh, yeah. Bad Film I haven't watched. So...
1: I mean, yeah, he he made a couple of films which are very mature. I don't know arts artsy is quite the white word, but um, dealing with Fukushima, dealing with um, the tsunami, um, with people like Hiroshi Abe, I think Landa Hope, he's in he's made a couple like that. And then there's, you know, one of my favourites is The Whispering Star, which is the most low-budget sci-fi film filmed in sepia which he made in that that five that five films in a year block which i just bloody adore and i will bring to the show one day but he also does these gloriously over the top things i mean yeah, yeah i think um i, I just just to some films like tag and like anti porno which we've talked about on the show i utterly appreciate the art i'm not always sure he's very good at getting his point across and he often i often feel he doesn't see the irony that the thing I think he's criticising, he's the most guilty <laughs> of of all of doing. <laughs> and I think I think, and I think this the artist there's a really good, it's um, a really good documentary called This Is Sion Sono. I think that's what it's called, and it was released. I'm sure it's on the Whispering Star uh, Blu-ray DVD, um, which gives you an insight into him. He's not your traditional filmmaker. He he's a he's an artist and cinema is just one of the ways he expresses himself um but he hasn't i don't th- i mean i know he's done some stuff on netflix he's he's done obviously that film that we reviewed forest of I love remember what it's called forest of love and i think he's done two tv shows for netflix now certainly he did um the vampire hotel one which was very poor and i think he's um I think, he's I think was one. that the
0: extended version something. of Forrest of Love which I never watched um,
1: No, it was a different thing altogether he also he did a TV show about people with uh, psychic abilities but also something to do with giant breasts and he made a film of that but that was also a TV show I mean he's, he's all over the place he's really interesting and that I guess is really where it started, and I would say that is still one of the most memorable scenes, not just in Sonos' career, but at all. I mean, it's 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 the film where fifty-four schoolgirls commit suicide at the same time, and that's a shocking statement. It's even more shocking to see it in reality, and yet it's also kind of funny. It's 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 it's, it's a clever thing. Oh yeah. Well, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It, it's it's a hard film to love. It's a hard, even harder film to follow. What I will say is, do you I know did about because you
0: mentioned it like way back on like one of our first ever episodes that we talked yeah. about this.
1: Yeah. So Narika's dinner table is both a sequel, a prequel, and kind of occurs during the film as well. Um. So, a different, totally different feel to it. I'm not sure it's really necessary, but yes, if you're a completionist. You do have to watch Noriko's Dinner Table, although I think that's a really hard one to track down. I don't think I've ever seen that on a on a British. I
0: know Dinner the table. the guys who run uh, Nippon Cinema, um which is a YouTube channel where mm. they do analysis of Asian cinema. Um they spoke very highly of both films, so
1: mm. They uh, the, the Dinner Table is more it's more impenetrable. It has less um, moments that I can remember. You know, the, re- uh, the Suicide Circle, Suicide Junction, whatever it's called, is full of really visually interesting stuff, if nothing else. Whether I could tell you what the plot was, really, mm. I don't know. <laughs> Clearly you don't I, really I mean, know. I was following it to an <laughs> extent, to and then it, it.
0: it got into that final act, and I was like, oh, I don't actually have much of a clue what is supposed to be going on here so
1: yeah but i think you also have to read it in the view of what he was trying to process at the time and i think you have to do you have to consider it within an art house idea that maybe he's not as constrained by some of the uh some of the rules of storytelling that maybe he would um embrace later there you go. That's the most professory thing I've said this
0: week. Um, so yeah, that was uh, what I've what I've obviously been watching. Uh, so I was oh, to say,
1: you it's did. it's you can't you can't do it. Normally
0: I've got nothing to bring to the table. It's always like I've been distracted by shinier things. Um, but no, there's as I said, there's quite a few shows and things out there on on Netflix. Um, they've just added a new one as of Um, which is a Korean thriller I want to say called uh, Your Name
1: oh yes Um,
0: Yes, or my name shall I say um to me. Um, yes, I've only yes. seen, this, seen the trailer for that, and I'm excited to check that out. It's also interesting the fact that everyone's seen the Squid Game, they're all going off to watch, like, Malice in Wonderland, and I've seen a few people talk about Girl from Nowhere, so what I may have to start doing on the show is that we'll watch the first episode or something, and we'll say whether we're going to watch on or turn off.
1: Mm, yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've yeah, spoken about Girl so. from Nowhere. Already, but but that had been on Netflix for a while. But it's it's interesting. All and all I am seeing, you know, I look at news websites, and on CNN and on the BBC website, there's there's always an article about. Now it's about Squid Game. It's about it's always about K-pop or or KTV or something. There, there's there's somebody there. There's somebody there that's hmm. pimping stories about Korean media. <laughs> and so. so I guess that then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because yeah, everybody I know apart from me and you has so. watched Squid Game. Therefore, therefore, something's working. And if you think, let's go back to some of our earlier episodes, we literally talked about the fact, oh look, we saw something sneaking onto Netflix. And we haven't been going that long, mate. <laughs> we may have been going 74 episodes, but I, uh, to, to see a Korean TV show become the most watched Thing on Netflix, and whilst I know that's a bit of a fake, you know, what they do is they record somebody who's watched at least two minutes of one episode, so it doesn't mean that a mil- hundred million people haven't watched two minutes and turned it off. But, you know, we, we assume people went with it. Um, it's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Um, the fact that you've told me it's dubbed it's, kind of half-explains uh, it. you also got to remember, I mean,
0: the fact that whenever you have anything that on, like, an arresting platform like like Netflix or like prime people are going to be more inclined to watch something than if it was shown on like a a TV network because it's there. And most often it's there on the, on the the opening page when you go in, it's like the first thing that they're they're pushing for you. So it's a very arresting looking show. And it's also got a concept Mm. that's very easy to get into. Um, and also one in that the, I no doubt we expect to see Funko Pops over in the coming months. All for Christmas. So week. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they do a better job than they did with the Mecha Godzilla. Uh, it it really? looks good when you from afar, <laughs> but when you start looking a bit close you'd realise that there's certain bits so that they ration it, so um, other than that, the fact that all Funko's look the same.
1: Well they do. But my baby metal ones are still looking at me from, from over the other. I side have
0: one room, Funko so. and that is it. <laughs> and that is of John Waters, and I've oh, said yeah. that the only ones over ones I want is Huntress Thompson and uh Tom Wolfe.
1: I'm very surprised there is I'm
0: surprised Thompson as well. It was I've... very there's something very easy to replicate of just or even just like a Raoul Duke, um his authorizer in and Vo- Fear and Love mm. in Las Vegas. Which essentially is just Hunter S. Thompson. So, um...
1: but you know, yeah, yeah, just just a white guy in a stetson, and and just say it's Hunter S. Thompson. And a Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> with dead eyes. They... Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly, exactly. This, this seems this seems to be a very easy Funko Pop to make, although I imagine there are all sorts of uh, rights image issues, I'm I'm more surprised that there's a John Walters one. But then again, I think John Walters probably sees Funko Pops as as bits of kitsch and probably delighted that he's a Funko. I think
0: I know that when they finally get around to doing like the friend and Lowen set, it'd just be the it'd be Raul Duke and the Attorney in the car, and that would be it. We won't get the the individual figures. We end up with this lump of pissing plastic that won't fit on the shelf, uh, much like the Godzilla Criterion set. And <laughs> it's like it's like the fact you can buy Quinn's boat from Jaws with like the shark jumping up yeah yeah have Funko, Funko Jaws Jaws oh. um, and it's so uh, you think oh well that's that's great but that's just a big ass box to sit on there because nobody nobody ever takes them <laughs> out of the box um so you've just got this large rectangle of box sitting on your shelf yeah i i have to admit
1: my baby metal ones are out but i feel I think I think I think it's a bit like comics in the nineties. People think they're going to be worth this disillusion, isn't it? <laughs> I think it, 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 they're never going to be worth anything. They print millions of the fuckers. What I also will say is, uh, I, know, I know we will get to our phone in a minute, but obviously you did our, your little. Um, you went to the website and created Funko. I did last,
0: like back you? in back it. in the day. We had uh, oh. our, our Funko ones, and then we did the rest of Brain Shoe Productions team. So. There's various members of our team in Funko version floating around. I mean, there was one for Kim and there was one for Emily. Um, I don't think team member Steph got one on. I don't think we did one for David yet. So maybe that'd be like when we get round to range three, we'll do those too.
1: <laughs> so I use that picture as my picture on work, on my work. Uh, we use team, Microsoft Teams. It's my Microsoft Teams nice. picture. And I work for a large company and it goes against me because occasionally we'll be on a big group call and there'll be maybe a hundred people on the call and my boss's boss looks at who's on the call in order to humiliate and ask them a question to generate, Because in the group scene, no one talks. And he always goes, Stephen Palmer. I think it's because <laughs> of a fucking Funko Pop. And <laughs> if I just have my normal, anonymous-looking white boy face... He'd never even notice I was there. (laughs) So I don't know whether to thank you or curse. I have to say
0: with, like, your baby metal fun colors, you just, like... It's pretty easy to, like, replicate your favorite uh, baby metal ones. You just have one in the middle and have the other two just run around. (laughs) That's literally baby metal concert.
1: The the, two... The two... Somebody's seen them (laughs) twice, oh my god. Um, The, um... Yeah, the Su- the Sue Metal one is fairly unique. The other two, of which one no. is not even in the band anymore, are the identical model. <laughs> There's nothing about it which is different. They <laughs> <laughs> Just put them in different boxes. The Yui Metal and I Metal one. Do you have a go-to song? The same.
0: Do you have a go-to song when so, you, for your baby Metal for baby a little metal, diorama as You're running over there.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. our, our fever, the one about chewing gum. <laughs> that's my that's my favorite although i do like papaya if i'm going to, that's more like yeah. driving in the car at speed. we need
0: ba we need uh bandmate to really sort of hit it big because that'd be a...
1: we do that i mean they've got a ton of albums and they and they and they lean into the sort of the cafe girl culture with their outfits quite hard um and they they're are really they're good phenomenally well. good. <laughs> but then
0: again, Japan is like I really like the band same band. way that Germany was like is like the go-to place for Weird Electronica and now Death Metal. Um Japan seems mm. to be like the go to place for really good rock bands. Because you got them, you got um I want to say it's Punch the Monkey, who did um that really great tribute video for Takashi Mika I saw online.
1: Yeah, you've got Scandal, who are like one of my favourite bands, and who didn't come over... I've still got a ticket for them, because they didn't come over during COVID, but hopefully I'm seeing them next year. Um, We've got a ton of albums as well. Electric Eel and... Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of good guitar-based music. Often from women as well. Which is great. Which is interesting. Um, Yeah, which you don't see... No, because we sort of lean into
0: that uh, skinny boy antagonists don't we we mm. just
1: were... and 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 the and females are pushed into like the R&B Ugh. space what well, uh, we need is just uh... I call it R&B although it's not really R&B it's <laughs> R&B is something else together but that's not let let not let not me become a really old man we
0: just have to accept audience. the <laughs> fact that Skunk Anansie and, and Garbage were kind of like the high watermark and have been kind of the high watermark for British uh, female fronted bands quite and... a while
1: and they're still playing. They are, aren't
0: they? <laughs> I know. On um, they are. Skin has got her own podcast called Skin Tings, and she had a interview with right. Shirley Manson, and she was like saying that she got drunk and made out with one of the members of Garbage, and that Shirley was like really upset because it wasn't her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, obviously Shirley is um... Shirley's a character, but yes, you're right, and and you know they've been mm. around since the '90s, and I, I really, I mean. Maybe if you were right in and tell us, but I really couldn't tell you of a strong guitar-based British female-led band. You know, someone's going to come up with something, and there'll be a one-hit wonder or something like that. Yeah, everything
0: <laughs> I can think of is like American. That we have to get hold of
1: We have to get Evan No, Evanescent? they're American. So I think they're they Canadian. They
0: Let's we're we'll gonna get hold of Mister right, Rehack over at Rehack Radio.
1: Yeah, yeah. Nick. Tell us to uh, do, do a show with just British <laughs> guitar music led by um, women. Sleeper. They're still going. Louise is still fronting Sleeper. They still do seem to do concerts every week. We're but grasping that's more of a at straws now, aren't we? Gonna, you're going to... Harder rock that you're after. I like Sleeper, but they're not. They're not. I like Sleeper because there's here.
0: plenty of room to move around when you go to the concerts.
1: That's well, good because they have so many of them if they had less every week I get an email from um, uh, one of the bands in town that's the website that sends me emails about who's on and Sleeper seems to be playing in Oxford every week probably because that's where they're from come on so that was on. band chat
0: uh, <laughs> as I said if you want to let us know who you want to see in Funko form please do uh, but it's time now for our featured viewing of tonight's episode. This is one of Stephen's picks, as uh, tonight we're going to talk about The Beastalker from 2008. Um, as I said, tonight's featured viewing, we are talking about The Beastalker. Um, this is directed by Dante Lam. Um, in it, we have a police sergeant who is racked with guilt after he unwittingly killed a young girl while capturing a criminal called Chang. Um, now he sets out on a quest for redemption when the young girl's sister is uh, kidnapped by the gangsters and he hopes that he can, by rescuing her, he can repair his damaged psyche from the case that left everyone more than a little scarred. Um, Stephen, why did you pick this?
1: So, I think I went on a a bit of a rant last time when I said why I was picking it. Basically, Dante Lam has been around the Hong Kong film industry for years. Um... He's worked with John Woo, he's worked with Johnny Toe. Um, he may be uh, what's he called is it? Beast Cops. I can't remember. He he's he's yeah. he, he, he did Beast he, Cops and Beast Twins Cops. Effect. Or, um, and he's done Twins Effect, which we've covered on this show. Yep. So he's he's always been a solid filmmaker with a really good background, yeah, you know, he's 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 worked amongst the best and you Know of those post 2000 directors, he's 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 always been thereabouts, but then he made a string of great films which I, 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 I will propose starts with um The Beast Stalker, um, which are just really solid. So I thought I'd like to go back I haven't seen it for a while, probably haven't seen it since about 2010. Um, it's got some great talent in it. So Nick J, um who maybe at the time, maybe not, but certainly is now, is, is Mr. Fei Wong. But he, he 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 had another relationship in the middle, with Cecilia Chung. In fact, I, don't, I think he's probably with Cecilia at this time. Um, who's like this eternally baby-faced guy, but this is the film where he starts getting slightly more mature roles. He still looks about 12, and <laughs> counts against him a little bit in this. And what we really have, the the breakout performance here, is Nick Chung, who up to this point had really starred in comedy films um and from this film he starts embracing a lot of other dark roles and is now an accomplished director in his own right so you know his career in 12 13 years has really changed we also have um zhang jing chu who also to me represents that that thing where mainland a mainland actress has to be in every Hong Kong movie. The good news is is that she's bloody great and she's in some fantastic films and she's more than a what what's the word that they call it? Um like a flower vase. You know, like fan bing bing when she appears in anything. She's just there because she's pretty. I and mean, she is okay. she is a decent actress, but they just usually these people are these, these people. These, these mainland Chinese actresses put in for eye candy and to attract mainland Chinese investment whereas to be fair Zhang Chu is a proper full on award winning actress so what we've got is a really great cast, there's other people in the film as well um, Philip Kung's in it, who's, who's, a, who's been a mainstay of, um, of Hong Kong cinema for years um, Sun, the, the one of the characters in it is Luke Ai-Chi, who's also an excellent actor. So, to me, what this feels like is like a Johnny Toe movie, but with this extra gloss of paint on it. There's something, there's something a bit more going on. That the, Johnny Toe makes these great sort of character pieces, but this has got just a really interesting plot. Although I will concede, Elwood, the central conceit is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that in a minute um it's got a great set piece to open with and then it's a re- to me it's a really fascinating police thriller in in that sort of that sort of glossy period of hong kong cinema that, that dante lamb just picked up and ran with all the way up until unbeatable which also features um nick chung the uh the martial arts movie with Nick Chung um, So yeah I don't know I just I could have picked any one of four or five movies I just picked this one because it was the first um, There you go that wasn't a straight answer was it <laughs> It's an answer <laughs> Did you enjoy um... it though Had you seen it before
0: no, no, I've never seen, I've never seen this before. I mean, I've obviously seen Dante Lama's movies before. I mean, he obviously directed. She mentioned already, he directed Beast Cops, which I think I'm one of the few people who actually enjoyed that. That's uh, Michael and Anthony Wong mm. in the same movie.
1: Yeah, Michael Wong. Oh dear, but <laughs> you ing- know, he's
0: got his own GIF uh, <laughs> Twitter feed. Michael Wong quotes.
1: You, you um you are in good hands. It was uh, Beast uh Beast Cops well reviewed by Love H K Film, which to me is the uh, is the number one Hong Kong film website for reviews. So I think I don't okay. think you're, I don't think you're on your own, but I know what you mean. It's um
0: Well the Hong Kong Legends Collection bashed the hell out of it when they yeah. did that part work, that's for sure. <laughs> um Yeah. I mean obviously this movie does not feature feature um Anthony Wong, because he hasn't got that sort of budget. Um, (laughs) But it does feature a number of people that, you know, we've talked about before. And it's obviously got Nicholas Tay in there, Mm. who my co-host, Kim, uh, over at Moose and Tea is a big fan of. He he was in the Bullets Fly.
1: He was. So, he yes, he um, had appeared in, in the show before, hasn't he? Yeah, which
0: I really enjoyed. That was like the Sherlock Holmes style mm. mystery, which was really really good. Um, he's also been in direct like the Medallion. Yeah. So it's out of think of, out of everyone, he's got like the biggest film resume here. I mean, obviously Nick Chang. There's um, been in quite a few great things as well. I mean, he was in Election
1: One, Election Two, as well as Exiled. Mm. Uh, he's he's got a great CV, and also used to be literally a policeman. Before he was an actor, <laughs> so you know he's done his dues. Whereas, whereas Che, I think, has traded a bit on being a pretty boy for a lot yeah. of his career, but has some great performances. Um, I'm sure you've seen Bodyguards and Assassins, which yes. he's the sort of the he's sort of the character who who holds the sort of the the ensemble piece together, and he's really charming. He's really good looking. All right. Kim, Kim's no doubt, said he's 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 a he's a he's a, a good-looking lad in that kind of slightly androgynous way that that some of these uh, pretty boys can be. But he is a <laughs> decent actor. He has a penchant for overacting, which he does a little bit in this film. But he's a charming lead, and there are the, the problem with Hong Kong cinema is is that there ain't many people who live in Hong Kong so only a certain percentage can be film stars which means they all seem to be in films all the time so so they are by almost by mathematics suggests they're going to be in a load of drek as well as load of really good things but I I I like Nick Say I think he's um he's not the world's greatest actor but I think he's got screen charm screen presence um charisma but I really like Nick Joe. I think he's fantastic. And I love okay. it that he makes movies as well now.
0: Um, I believe also this film is also known as The Crash. Yeah. Which I think is probably a more fitting title than The Beast Stalker. I think The Beast Stalker oversells what we're going to be getting here. Um, you're in good company though, obviously. Uh, P.T. Joe, who's a Twitter reviewer, does a really a whole bunch of Asian cinema. She really enjoyed this movie. Uh, which is probably more than I can say for myself. Um, really? This was, I just cannot get into this film at all. I mean, it's a police procedural with a bit of a kidnap plot in there. Um, I mean, obviously, to start off, it starts off, as you said, it starts on this really good sort of action front. We've got them there. They're like, you've got this group of cops who are clearly played by their own rules. They're in the Chinese restaurant. They're over-ordering food. And, uh, you know, you've got that banter back and forth. And then they're going in, they're kicking in the drug dealer's den. We have that that car chase and then we get one of the worst, worst moments of CGI glass I've ever seen. Where it's mm. sort of like, oh, we can do some CGI glass, and then they just overdid it by tenfold.
1: Don't you? Don't you think there was a top around two thousand eight? Loads of films were doing that. It's like, oh, look, there's a special effect we've now got on the editing suite. <laughs> it was,
0: it was worse than when Argento discovered you could do CGI and did CGI bullets in the Stendhal Syndrome. Yeah. And they're like the worst part of that movie, and it felt very much the same here. As I don't know what it was, but that moment just took me like right out of it straight off. But from there, we enter into this rather sort of plodding plot where we've got uh, obviously this cop who's out there playing by his own rules. He's trying to seek redemption. And at the same time, we've got this kind of hired gun for the uh, for the local crime boss who's got
1: one eye um, yeah. and
0: he's colorblind
1: So, well, I think he only sees monochromatically, doesn't he? Um, Yeah, so I think he's known as the Beast. Although, in the subtitles, they call him Grey Eye. (laughs) (laughs) Which does, yeah, which is a bit classic, you know, classic bloody Chinese nickname, let's let's say what we see. (laughs)
0: um, This is like like when you have Fatty and (laughs) Siggy.
1: Exactly, yeah. He's Grey Eye, because... Oh, no. we, we find out at the end why, but he's got, um, yeah, one of his eyes has, has um, he's basically got, he's, he's, he's unusable. Uh, but he also appears to only see in black and white, which leads to something else later on. Uh, but I believe um... he's known as the Beast, which is why the film's called the Beast Stalker. Whereas calling it the Crash, which is that crash at the beginning is the impetus for all these characters to be who they are makes a huge amount more sense to me it's never i've never been a fan of the title um you've got to remember it also came out at the same time as the korean film chaser which i think that's all these 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 Asian action movies are all coming over to the uk at the same time so i think they were just after a a Um. name more exciting
0: so yeah, it's we've got these two, these two very random sort of characters. I so said we've got the the baddest cop who's trying to redeem himself by tracking down um, this kidnapper, who at the same time the film plays way too hard into making us feel sympathetic about because he's basically does a all these sort of undesirable jobs to keep his um, to pay his wife's medical bills because she's basically been paralysed, she's she's essentially locked in, she can't talk, she can't go to bed and he has to constantly do her medication, uh, so we've already got this sympathetic angle that we didn't need for his character and uh, the, the whole while he's basically been given orders by this crime boss because they plot to the whole plot is that they're going to kidnap this child and stop her mother who's a prosecutor, prosecuting this crime
1: boss yeah, so let's let's go back to that. So my biggest problem with the film, although the film wouldn't exist with this biggest thing, this is so <clears throat> you talked at the beginning, there's this whole Johnny Toe esque moment at the beginning where this gang of cops led by the arrogant Nick Che break up some deal and it all goes a bit awry. But everyone gets away with it. But he's an angry, and he has a, he balls out somebody whom we later find out is his cousin. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was a bit weird. And and there's an older guy um, son who appears to be a bit of his mentor, and also sort of says you're a bit of a tit, aren't you? <laughs> but anyway, but then over the radio they hear that this um, this crime boss has has um, escaped, has he escaped custody or something like that? And they notice it's his car and they embark on a chase which ends up in a huge crash because this Range Rover crashes into them halfway through. Yeah. And then Nietzsche finds out in the boot of of the car that he's taken out there's a young child who's died. Now, as it turns out this young child belonged to um, Zhang Jingchu's character who is a public prosecutor who is then allowed to prosecute the case of the man of of the crime boss who's been in the coma for three months just to give us a little bit of time. <laughs> but they even, the film even talks about it and calls out and says, you do know that the defense are going to have a fucking field day with this. And you just think, surely there is another lawyer, another barrister, or whatever, however, the Hong Kong film, uh, crime system work that could prosecute this case. <laughs> Not somebody who effectively child was killed by this man. It's just stupid. <laughs> but if you get over that, then it's a story of redemptions. It's I I, I quite like how they humanized Nick Chung's character. I, I know it pissed you off because he's not on, not only is he looking after his wife who appears to be paralyzed from the eyes down. Um, he kidnaps a child but then forms a little bond with her and maybe they don't go far enough with that and I found the child annoying <laughs> sound- she is
0: she is annoying but then again, a lot of child actors are so sort of expected that and you say that he's got this bond with her but at the same time he's like willing to follow his boss's orders which at one point he has a he has to take her to this dirty doctor who's going <laughs> to cut her arm off <laughs> yeah Which I suppose I should be relieved. The fact they were going to like a trained medical professional rather than just like Mm -hmm. hacking it off, as these sort of uh, things tend to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, but but of course he's being, he's. There's something we find out at the end that is placed really bizarrely in the film structure. I think basically there's a coda which shows that Nick Chung and his pregnant wife are the are the third car in the car crash at the beginning of the film um, yet and I just I don't know if I needed that I, do, I don't know if I needed that tie up because what that means is is that their situation has only existed for three months he's only been gray eye for three months he's only you know he's only been his wife it, it just looked to me that they were much more settled in a routine than a couple of months into it, it just seem a bit weird um but we do find out of course you know, he feels incredibly guilty about his wife's situation it's because of his own dumb assery that she's in that state and i guess it's really expensive to keep someone alive that at home that can't do anything for themselves at all um although apparently they can swallow which i find a bit unlikely if they're paralyzed from the eyes down but Never mind. You know, this film is not doesn't stand up for much realism (laughs) scrutiny in terms of the plot and some other things. But I, I just, I just really enjoyed it as a as a police procedural, as the kind of film that Hong Kong used to do loads of. You know, every other film with Johnny Toes was this kind of film, Um, and that Dante Lam had just upped his game. And I'm sad that you didn't like it, but I also. I also understand why you didn't like
0: it <laughs> uh, the problem is as I said, because I hated the the fact that we're meant to feel some sympathetic for this 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 kidnapper, which makes it really confusing as to who we' are supposed to be sort of rooting for at the same time nicholas tay his whole like the whole side of the hate side he has is either apologizing to people in his unit that he essentially screwed over because he Gives everyone else commendations apart from the one cop who who didn't go when they gave the order to go. So he didn't get the sort of like progression in his career that everyone else did as a result of this raid. So he has all that sort of guilt trip that he's dealing with, uh, you know, making things up to former members. And then we get into the actual police procedural stuff, and he just seems to pull information out of nowhere. There's no like. Finding like little clues or anything. There's no sort of real sort of chase. It just seems to be, the almost like stumbles across the kidnapper and ends up in these sort of chase moments. And there is a really exciting chase sequence which um, goes through like a restaurant into the high street mm. and into a bit of shit, which is really which is enjoyable. And then we have like the moment where he like discovers the layer and He sort of like looks at this neon light in the sort of background. And he's sort of like, yep, yeah, it's in this location, <laughs> and he's like, oh that's how police work's done in hong kong is it
1: well yeah and then there's a couple of other moments like he met ma- they manage you know the people that he's fucked over all then end up helping him and the guy that reconstructs the um they call it an mms message oh bless that really dates it doesn't it you know his cousin and the girl that does the fingerprints from the fo- you know you say oh yes he must have gone to he stumbles across a lot um and just gets lucky there's no dead ends there's no red herrings Um, he is the luckiest policeman in the world even if he's with no friends
0: the scene where he's like trying to find the sim card in the mountain of garbage, and you see him going through like these, like, 20 bags of garbage to find this tiny little SIM card that somehow he manages to stumble across just the right bag. And,
1: and any of you who've dropped something like a SIM card on your carpet and couldn't find it will be thinking, wow, he's pretty good, because it's, it's in the middle of the fucking night as well. <laughs> it's like, yeah,
0: he used to say, rooting <laughs> through, like, bags of garbage to... Although the scene where um, we goes to the bin and you have the, the bin lady there going, stop messing with my bins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Made me laugh for no apparent reason.
1: Yeah, and then of course you have Nick Chung has got the fucking nosy... House the, the granny who lives on a different floor that she insists he's blocking up her toilet or something as well. <laughs> so, oh yeah, it's
0: like your waste <laughs> pipe's
1: blocked. Something's <laughs> like he didn't build it. I don't know. Even the police come round and they're like, "Look, I'm sorry, mate. We've got to, we've got to do this." But my god, and then you saw the toilet. You thought, oh my god, that's disgusting. But I don't know Hong Kong's housing issues are, um, but yeah, it, it is. It, I, you do Dante Lamp throws so much at Nick Jung's character to make you feel sympathy for him whereas Nick Che's character is a bit of a he's not a detective he's just incredibly lucky <laughs> Everything it he is says. that's
0: what it basically just boils down to at the end of the day it's just pure luck that he manages to to get these hunches that he does Mm um and somehow it all comes together the fact that when we get into like the big confrontation at the end and th- i mean i'll just remind you though i mean obviously spoiler alert here but the fact that he gets in this brawl with like our already half-blind kidnapper mm-hmm. and he then blinds him
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like it's like when you watch um like the old short movies like i say with kid with a golden arm where he just like uh blinds him and he's all like yep that's me done <laughs> I'm off to be a farmer now.
1: <laughs> yeah, blind people do have very good lives, don't they? In, in, it's in it's the just that people. it seems that
0: if you can just blind someone in a fight, then that's it, you've won. Yeah.
1: Well, they,
0: they, you don't have to like, deliver any sort of killing blow to them, so the fact that you know we don't have to take out the kidnapper because he's a good kidnapper, he's only doing these horrible things to get uh, medicine money to keep his wife alive. Um... So yeah, it it it's just the fact that it was it just felt like very unfocused as to who I was supposed to be
1: Yeah, no you know, rooting for that. Okay. But, I will so so I, I've slagged off a lot of elements of the plot, I still enjoyed it. One thing I will say is Dante Lam in this film makes Hong Kong look fantastic. It's one of the best cinematic views of hong kong i've seen for a long time so we talked when we watched chung kong chungking express about how hong kong was a character in that movie um having someone who's been to hong kong it just it's it's fantastic sort of gritty street level looking up at the architecture the road i recognize some of the streets and the roads there's a there's a scene that's done in the over overpasses that are very familiar. With anyone who's been there, it's got a real. Yeah, you know, J- Johnny Toe manages to do this in some of his films and make and make Hong Kong a character. And I will say, Lam does a fantastic job of representing Hong Kong, not as a character as such, but as a. I just, I just think, I just think Hong Kong has rarely looked better than it does in this film. I don't know if you noticed that at all, but it's um, and maybe we should give that to the cinematographer. I don't know, but there's something, something really well made about it and and just the because it's 2008 because of where film technology was at the time i guess it's just um it's just hit a perfect storm of of, of how things look on um, on the film i don't know but yeah if you've been to Hong Kong you will recognize a lot of it and it will make sense to you but you know the plot is is, is nonsense <laughs> it's just flawed but I enjoy it.
0: You don't seem to be alone. Obviously, looking at uh, Letterboxd here, I mean, it is very popular on there, so I think it's just me. This um, is, um, maybe.
1: maybe. What I would suggest, if you can stand it, if you shoot forward a couple of years and Lam made another film called The Stall Pigeon, starring both Nick Chung and Nick Tay, but putting the... Uh, yeah, 2010, which puts them on the swaps the characters around in the sense of who's the goody and who's the baddie, or who's the traditional goody and baddie, and also has Taiwanese superstar Gwaelan Mei in it as well I'd, I'd also recommend that Another, there's another police story, but very different Nick Chung is even better in this um, it just shows you what a better actor Nick Chung is than <laughs> Nick Tay when you want to look at a, a conflicted police officer um, but yeah, the stall pigeon, and then he just went up and up with more and more crazy films like um, is it Operation Mekong and things like that. Yeah, Operation
0: that. Red um, Sea wasn't it? It was the most recent one. Yeah, everyone was so um, excited about
1: the the. I uh, know uh, if you uh, Dante Lam Nick Chung films Unbeatable as well. I think you would really like Unbeatable, um, which is uh, Nick Chung as a. I want to say he's a boxer or a martial artist or something. I can't remember, but I've seen the film. I just can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, is it Unbreakable? Now I'm. Um now I'm questioning myself unbeatable not unbreakable yes and he's a there's a sports drama film boxer boxing film but it's really good and Nick Chung is fantastic in it as well and it's also got Taiwanese heartthrob Eddie Peng who might as well be the Taiwanese version of Nicholas J <laughs> anyway just, Dental lamb was just on a roll really popular films really popular at home and they, they got releases out, out in the west as well um, and in a way, I wonder if he is really him and Edwin Pang are really the two Hong Kong directors still pumping out Hong Kong cinema these days. Which a bit sad.
0: Yeah, um, maybe this is like Heat, whereas uh, everyone really loves it, but I just never got it. And that was That's another film I thought you don't,
1: like, you don't like Heat?
0: I don't like Heat I've heard Heat's incredibly tedious the only good bit in Heat is the bank heist shootout mm. um, but no Heat just goes on forever and a day and it's like one of those films that you use like thinking God they could just hack this right down or I can just go watch Dead or Alive um, and have essentially the same thing but with obviously Mickey <laughs> the
1: Reins. <laughs> yeah interesting so interesting. Yeah. yeah so it's a sort of film I, I i'm sad but not i don't think you hated it i just think you just didn't
0: it didn't happen for me it was yeah it Whereas
1: was i think i think if you want if you want like a solid police procedural maybe you've watched all your johnny toe films um and you want to see a couple of great performances or you've got the hots for nick Che. i think um I think you'll get. A kick. I think other people, other than Elwood, would get a kick out of this. It's you. Yeah, so that's 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 you. what it seems to be. <laughs> um.
0: So yeah, that's that's all I've got to say on this. I've got nothing else to say about this one. But it is available on Netflix now, so you can Excellent. check it out when you finish watching Squid Games and everything else on there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, write to us and let us know what you think of it. Tell, let, let Elwood know that he's wrong.
0: There's <laughs> something else to be wrong about.
1: You are the than they do with me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's always interesting when we look at the social media. It all seems to be... I seem to have taken on the Jay Cluett role of this organisation where it's all like, what can we want make Elwood worse that he's really going to dislike? <laughs> that seems to be a lot of the mail that we get through.
1: There is, um, there have been, there have been a few like
0: that. Yes. <laughs> um, talk of let's put Elwood in a Clockwork orange style <laughs> viewing chair and make him watch this movie.
1: Yeah, no, we we wouldn't do that to you. So I'd just, just make you watch the Terrorizers over oh, and over. Jesus Christ! I think that's
0: been the low point. Of the 74 <laughs> episodes we've recorded, I think I I cast my mind back, but I don't think we've hit a lower point than the Terrorizers. Oh,
1: yes, I and, and it's such a good film.
0: And we've watched a wide range of things. I mean, we've watched <laughs> we Mobius, we've we watched anime, we've watched, you know, some art house uh, stuff. I mean, it's, we we cover the gambit here. Um,
1: yeah, I I will I will I will be bringing more Taiwanese new wave cinema I back though. No doubt that you are.
0: Um, but you anything else you want to talk about? Your favourite
1: movie? I um, mean, it's not it's not my favourite movie. I just I just thought it would be. I like, I like Hong Kong cinema. I like this kind of police procedural. I remember I got a kick out of it when I was the first time. I enjoyed it when I watched it today um i'm a bit sad you didn't like it but i get it i get it it's a, it's a film which you can pick huge holes in it's a film that doesn't you know it's it's got one big set piece at the beginning and a nice chase sequence in the middle if you need more i, I think it's a set piece short of being a classic i think um and i think i agree with you that some of the is quite muddled but it's got some really it's got some really good performances in there and like i say it's a certain sort of film I I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to hate it, but I can absolutely understand why you're not connecting with it.
0: The end. Right. That obviously brings us to the end of tonight's episode. Thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit our Like and Subscribe button wherever you happen to listen to us. Leave us a review, as it all helps raise the profile of the show you can follow us on facebook and twitter and instagram come and say hi let us know what you think of uh, the show our facebook group in particular is a really great place to come and hang out and uh, and we post them in pretty much every day. We post, um, you know, not only Asian cinema stuff, but pop culture stuff on there as well. And you can check out our blog, which is AsianCinemaFilmClub.WordPress.com, where we have our full archive episodes. We've got our Butter Oil Breakdown. We've got the Film Vault from David Brook. We've got the mixtape. We've got the Dark Side of Asian Cinema and the Anime Vault as well. There is plenty to check out there as well. But uh, thank you for listening. And before we go, it's obviously episode 75 next. And as we, you know, if you listen to the show regularly, every 25 episodes, we like to do something special. And we've been asking you, our audience, to vote for what we should watch for episode 75. And we threw out the theme of trilogies, where we put out the idea that, you know, maybe we can watch Pacham Wook's Ventures trilogy. Or we can watch the Infernal Affairs Trilogy. Or we can watch Sonny Chiba's Street Fighter Trilogy. Or we can even watch Seon Sonner's Hate Trilogy. And should we uh, check the votes now then, Stephen?
1: Go on then, let's see what people have said.
0: Okay, and you the people who have voted. Because this was a real dead heat until earlier this evening. We are going to be watching... See on Sonos Hate Trilogy.
1: <laughs> oh, you're fucking kidding me! <laughs> so just to let the audience know, the Hate Trilogy is four hours of love exposure, um, depressing film noir, guilty of romance, and um, serial killer backstory. Coldfish, Am I right? Yep. So <laughs> yeah, this. So I, I assuming we're going to do this episode uh, twenty seventy five. Maybe a multi part episode. So we well, got a going lot a of film watch. watching to do. <laughs> we got a lot of film watching to do, and after my big rant about say no earlier, that serves me right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, you mess with the people; <laughs> that's what they do to you. Um, I
1: what I was saying? Yeah, but okay, that's fine. They are. I haven't seen Cold Fish.
0: Oh, Cold Fish is good. Cold Fish is so, very and good, and I know
1: it's already on our top fifty. You've already put mm. it on there, so I'll oh, top your your our top 100 i guess it is really isn't it it
0: um, is and we're gonna be adding another 50 to that because uh, as i said we're 25 another 25 episodes have past and you know we to throw another 50 onto <laughs> onto the fire
1: <laughs> yeah um so you yeah, know i'm i'm excited about that i mean love exposure is a fantastic film it's just we will have to both find half a day to watch it um and Guilty of Romance is an interesting film that I would like to revisit and you know, and, and, a, and a fresh watching Coldfish, I'm I'm happy with that. I'd rather have watched Park Chan-wook's Revengeance trilogy, but we'll just save that for later.
0: I know. <laughs> I think if going off what uh David was saying like earlier when we were like talking about it, and I know he voted for the hate because, I don't know, maybe he hates us. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, he was like saying that he felt like the Vengeance trilogy has been well, they say it's been done to death, but I feel that Old Boy has been done to death at this point, but obviously, mm. you know, Lady Vengeance, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, I can see us coming back to it at some point down the line. Maybe we did the whole Vengeance trilogy on another episode, I don't know.
1: There's other, there's other. Um, yeah, the the, the I, I, I get it. Um, I mean, Old Boy is a fantastic and important film, but we have also stayed away from those kind of films on the whole, so... Yes. I, I, I don't think many people... I think people have covered Love Exposure. I don't think the other two films have got... Certainly, Guilty of Romance hasn't had no. any kind of love at all. So, let's, let's do that. I'm happy enough with that. So,
0: all. make sure you join us for a rather bumper length episode of 75. <laughs> where we'll be covering all three of those movies. And uh, also look out for our uh, upcoming top 50 that we're going to be adding to our top 100 list so it will be expanded to 150 titles that between myself and Stephen feel that you should be checking out as well but uh, all that is to come up down uh, the pipeline but um, until then thank you for listening thanks to my co Stephen
1: pleasure as always
0: funny what we say in that next episode be <laughs> <laughs> <This laughs> like, ha if you like fuck <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> oh, um dear. And we will be back very soon with another episode as we look at the CNC on hate trilogy. But until then <laughs>
1: Good night. Oh dear Never mind. I'm
0: going to personally spit
2: 昨日のことは忘れて昨日の過去 昨日昨日のあの子は忘れてことを忘れて昨日の